0: Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode.
1: And in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Mickey. Yeah, it's Ian. Well, Kratom is a drug. It's a tea, usually sold as a tea. It's a leaf that grows on a bush in Thailand and other places like that over there. Um, probably in, like, South Asia. And it can act as, as a opiate even though it's technically not an opiate it acts on the opiate receptors and it's a drug that lots of people enjoy which they don't really need to give any kind of reason for that but a lot of people have used it to get off of harder drugs and it just helps like a lot of people. actual
2: heroin right
1: yeah because it's a, not a similar effect to heroin but it's like it can well it
3: affects the same receptors, right so it makes sense Um, But this is nothing new. You know, they've banned psychedelic mushrooms and, you know, opium. Opium is, you know, I don't know if it's similar to Kratom, but...
1: What's crazy to me is um, after I read this letter that I'm going to read tonight, it seems that there is a pretty high bar that they have to reach to show that a drug is dangerous in order to get it put on a Schedule 1 on the... um, drugs schedule yeah um the federal ju- drug schedule that makes things illegal
2: that seems like, kind of surprising to me considering marijuana's on schedule th- that's one. what i was
1: gonna say like considering that it's such a high bar and it's so difficult for them to as they've been planning get create and put on schedule one it seems crazy that shrooms mushrooms um you know marijuana seems crazy that a lot of things are schedule one i buy.
2: don't think mushrooms are schedule one Oh, I could be wrong about that. I'll check.
1: Well, they're illegal. They're like, what oh, is there's that?
2: different different scheduling levels. Uh, are still know, illegal. It's just Schedule One is the most illegal.
3: That's what's so. To so is cream. that what it is? Because uh, I was wondering if like the drug classes and the schedules. Is it? like how dangerous
1: it is so or how claim, yeah. that's why marijuana okay, is like so. so ridiculous it's scheduled as like yeah
2: it's scheduled as high Basically, as heroin you, heroin yeah, is a schedule one if
1: you take marijuana you will be such a danger to society and yourself that it's like there's it's, almost no other drug you can do that's worse
2: okay you were right bonnie psilocybin which is the active chemical in mushrooms uh, psychedelic mushrooms is a schedule one substance well,
3: and that's okay. crazy. It's just it's just so crazy because no one has ever overdosed on mushrooms, or that I know of, but definitely not marijuana, and to even put it in the same class as things like heroin and fentanyl that kill people every single day, it's Uh, just ridiculous.
2: Schedule 1 drugs are drugs that have no accepted medical use, which is Um, obviously not true of marijuana. It's now being prescribed uh, medically in most of the states, the supermajority of the states. And that's not even true of heroin, by the way. Heroin that has... They used to
1: have medical... Absolutely medical. Yeah, heroin and cocaine, yeah. Uh,
2: uses. So it's just ridiculous. Now they
1: just use morphine, which is like heroin. But a doctor yep, gives that's it to right. you. I Pretty mean, much. honestly, I wouldn't even see
3: a problem with a medical use for heroin, for pain relief or whatever. I mean, yeah. as if the pills that like the Percocet and the, uh, you know, like oxycodone and all of those, as if those aren't just as bad as heroin, the only... The big difference is it's not controlled like it would be if it's being created in a lab and prescribed to you by your doctor. That's why things like heroin and fentanyl are more dangerous than pills because there's no, it's just so restricted by the government that people aren't able to like have any sort of consistency and you have to get it from sketchy people. You can't just buy it from a store that's been, you know, vetted and... And
1: it's you know. even worse when in places like New Hampshire, I know someone put in a bill to try to change this law. Actually, a lady that is our district, um, Jody Newell, she put in a bill to try to change this law, but it's even harder when states make testing equipment illegal. So Which is... And that's ridiculous, too, because you'd
3: think... I mean, because their whole argument is, oh, it's not safe, people are dying... That's like their big thing. They want, they, you know, they're, they're hiding under the guise of safety. But if you really wanted people to be safe, wouldn't you, why would you ever make testing equipment illegal? That doesn't make any sense at all.
1: This is from the American Kratom Association, and it's just a open letter for immediate release. The FDA creates an unauthorized pocket ban authority on Kratom by abusing its import alert authority. So basically, that means that the Congress did give the FDA something called import alert authority, and I'm not sure what they're actually allowed to use it for, but the American Kratom Association believes that they're illegally using it against Kratom, Mm. and that just pisses me off. I wish I started growing a Kratom tree last year.
2: Do they grow up here? I know Um, it's like a Me and
1: someone, I don't know if I should say, we're looking to see... If they could possibly grow up here, and according to you know, I think we're like uh scheduled, not scheduled, but like um, I forget what it's called, but we're area zone six. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it the can grow up here,
2: it's z- so like a climate zone, growing zone kind of yep.
1: Thing. And apparently, it can grow up here, which huh. was shocking to me. Cool, because if it grows right. in Thailand and they're trees, can... not bushes, uh, more like a bush. I, I don't know if I said tree, okay. but uh, you just use the leaves off of it and make um, tea. Hmm. And people also make like extracts out of it. If you want to take it, like in a pill or a gummy form,
2: are cocoa plants illegal to grow? As <laughs> Probably.
1: <well? laughs> Probably. I mean how right. how can you make the actual plant? I That's mean, crazy, I guess but pot plants are legal. So gooseberries are illegal in New Hampshire.
2: That's right. It's Why? crazy
1: because um, I, do you remember Ian? Wasn't it just that it's an invasive invasive species? I think so. Oh, yeah, you can't even make drugs out of it.
2: No, it's just gooseberries. No. It's just, they're just berries. They're just these
1: orange, sour... Oh, yeah, that's sour. what I thought, but yeah, you never know. They look like little tomatoes. They kind of suck, but I just was shocked. Ian was like, wow, these are so good. He really liked them. They were okay. And uh, he was looking things up about them because neither of us had ever even heard of them, and we saw them at Market Basket, and we found out they're legal to grow. Yeah. Huh. But you liked yeah. them enough that you wanted to grow one.
2: No, I was only interested in growing it because it was illegal. <laughs> oh, okay. that's, that's what made just it interesting. Just the point, you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if I'd want to grow a coca leaf plant but i'd totally grow a kratom plant they haven't made it illegal yet not yet basically
2: but this is about how they're trying to make it illegal without actually making it illegal without actually right? going
1: through the process they're supposed yeah. to yeah
2: because like putting they it on have a tried drug schedule.
1: three times and th- three times they've been rejected
2: right i remember reporting on it years ago here on free talk live where there. Whenever the FDA has one of these hearings, or I think it was actually the DEA. I think they mentioned it in the report that you're going to get to here. But
1: yeah, it says the DEA rejected the FDA's petition. The
2: the DEA in um, actually seemed to listen to input from people. Maybe there was maybe the kratom manufacturers were paying them on the back end. I don't know why, but but there's a lot of people that kratom has helped, and you kind of touched on this earlier. That it's helped people break addictions, for instance.
1: Depression, Uh, just pain.
2: Is it a depression thing, too?
1: I don't want to say who, but Nikki has told me about a person she knows that uses it just because he has major pain.
2: Mm -hmm. Wow. And it's not major pain? Yeah, I just said major pain. (laughs) It made me
1: laugh. I probably wouldn't have normally said major pain, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, so
2: a lot of people, they kind of came out of the woodwork. They filed whatever, you know, statements with the DEA when they had these hearings, and it just got flushed. The whole proposal to make Kratom illegal just got taken off the table after a bunch of people said, hey, look, this is actually helpful, uh, Helpful, so leave us alone. Let us take our Kratom.
1: They basically do what they do to cryptocurrency, to nootropics. They haven't actually gone through the processes to make it illegal. In, What's a uh, nootropic? Sorry, I was saying a nootropic is it's a class of drugs such as racetams that, like peracetam, um, basically, make your brain function better, and people use them.
3: I heard Matt described it to me as like Adderall that isn't bad for you.
1: Exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> and what I'm like, oh, like. that
3: actually sounds interesting.
1: Yep. Um, but anytime the government goes after it, and they they do it with trying to put a fear into the market instead of actually like making it illegal the way they're supposed to, all that happens is that the best companies move out of America. Yeah. So, exactly if you want to buy Paracetam, you can buy it, but you won't get a certificate of authenticity. I forget exactly yeah, what whatever. they call it. Yeah. And uh, well, this, those are important because it, it's, it proves that they've actually tested and it is 100% Paracetam. Oh, yeah. You'll have to buy it from some shady company. Hmm. And then it, you won't be able to get it into America because maybe the only really good companies are over in Europe. Well, and going back to the Kratom, I think... They're all like the like the
3: negative marketing on or the negative advertisement whatever about Kratom is kind of already starting to get out there because I've heard some people who, you know, are totally in support of things like methadone and suboxin to like as a, you know, medically assisted treatment to try to keep people clean off of opiates. People who support those kind of drugs were speaking out against Kratom, saying, Oh, Weird. it's really dangerous. Um, You know, I've seen people. It's just addictive.
2: I mean, I don't don't think it's dangerous. But just Just like sugar,
3: you know what I mean? Like everything is addictive. And I think maybe people that are taking a lot of it Mm-hmm. Maybe it could be different if somebody was taking, you know, an insane amount of it.
2: We did have a guy call in saying that he was really addicted to yeah. it because, because he was
3: taking a crazy amount. Yeah, yeah dosing yeah. Didn't on it die. all
2: day long, heavily dosing. But
3: you on it. can't really overdose on it, right? You know, it's not like heroin or fentanyl. Where I don't, it, know, I don't know that you
1: can't. I honestly just don't know. But this guy was taking like a hundred times more than I take. Yeah, and he didn't overdose or die so it's pretty crazy i just
3: i just think it could be really helpful for a lot of people to use as like medically assisted treatment to keep them clean off of street drugs um you know opiates and stuff like that and i do you know i think it could have a lot of benefits so it's just it's just it was i thought it was kind of interesting that people who are in support of methadone, which is really, really bad for your body. I mean, when people try mm. to get off methadone and Suboxone, the withdrawal symptoms last way longer than heroin or fentanyl. Mm. I mean, that wow. that's going to last months of of withdrawal side effects. I mean, that's just not good for you. If, if people find that that works for them, then, of course, that's their decision, but... I don't know. Just to say that kratom is more dangerous than it's ridiculous. any of these. Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. A
1: woman in this article, it's going to get or this letter, it's going to get into it. But a woman who uh, Nora Volko, she testified uh, to the DEA hearing that when the DEA, threw out the FDA's attempt to make it illegal, mm-hmm. she said that it has a similar um, effect as a dose of buprenorphine. Oh, so Suboxone. Oh, that's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hmm. it's pretty crazy i mean so so
3: that would be like subutex but um basically the difference between that and suboxone is suboxone also has like a dose of narcan in it hmm. so hmm. if you do if you do try to do drugs you won't get high
1: sheriff hathaway are you on with us can you hear me
0: yeah
2: all right yeah, nice can we you, can Mark. hear you the sixth try is the yep. charm in this case
1: <laughs> well that's my lucky number so go ahead yeah, what's on uh, your mind I-
4: yeah, I want to talk a little bit about a conversation that Ian and Mark and Aria were having last night about these, the FBI intercepting American conversations thousands of times without even a, a FISA court order. And mm-hmm. I think it was Arya suggested, well, why do they even go to the trouble of asking FISA if they're just going to do it illegally anyway? And they they actually do it illegally all the time. And there is a facility... Um, It's called the uh, Special Operations Division Fusion Center for the Department of Justice. It's just south of the Dulles Airport in uh, Chantilly, Virginia, and I've worked there before, and what they do is They have what they call light side and dark side operations. The light side is legal intercepts, and the dark side, NSA and CIA, are in the same building, and they have an interface. They have DEA and FBI agents that are an interface between the light side and the dark side. And as a DEA supervisor, a member of DEA management out in the field, what they would do is they would send me a classified document that says, this information has been intercepted without a court order. You have to do what they call parallel construction. And if you want to look up what I'm talking about at the same time, just look up uh, Special Operations Division, Chantilly, Virginia. There's a good outline of what they do on a website called Wiki Mapia. Wiki and they do what they call parallel construction. Yep. We would get we would get instructions from special operations division that this information is not to be included in any reports mm-hmm. you're not to tell any prosecutors about it what you have to do we're telling you that this activity is going on at this house and you have to go independently corroborate it create your own probable cause oh, I and see. they would call it yeah and they would call it a pointer system and and so this disingenuous practice is called parallel construction, so they would actually have NSA and CIA in the same building with Department of Justice agents like FBI and DEA, and they would actually put a classified cover sheet on, on the intercepts and send it out to the field in the appropriate geographic area, like I was in Arizona. They'd send it to me, and they would say, destroy this document. Uh, unless you had a, a classified facility, what they call a skiff, to, to retain the document. Uh, but do not include it in any reports. Just use it to create your own case on that person. So they're already doing this anyway, what Aria was asking last night, if you recall that conversation, Ian.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, Edward Snowden, I think, revealed a lot of this 10 years ago. Uh, where the NSA was doing all kinds of spying, and it was suggested back then that they were handing this data over to the other policing agencies with a sort of a wink and a nod, and saying, "Hey, uh, you might want to investigate this person, but Sounds you have to too. you have to do it legally; otherwise, you won't be because you can't use the illegally gathered data in court." So essentially it's a way to uh, for them to tip off their buddies about who's doing what and then they have to somehow scrounge together a warrant to tap the phone or whatever to to do it through the the legal means.
1: That's clearly a yeah. violation of due process of the 4th Amendment. Like if it wasn't collected legally this information then you're just being surveilled, you know, broadly illegally just what is it? Just your text messages yeah.
2: or whatever.
4: Yeah, and well, you know, NSA doesn't have an enforcement arm, so in order to get people, the guys with guns and handcuffs, to throw you in a cage, they have to contact people who have access to the courts and the prison system, so they contact FBI and DEA. And another term for this is they call it walling it off, W-A-L-L, wall off the information. The information came from a illegal intercept, at least illegal for law enforcement purposes, but under the Patriot Act and that whole post 9/11 period, they came up with the idea that everybody should cooperate and share information. So that's how this developed, and it is actually a formal mechanism where there are Hmm. DEA and FBI agents that have uh, classified clearances that actually work every day with NSA, and then they bring the information over uh, to what they call the light side operations, and they pass it to field operatives telling them, do not, under any circumstances, uh, document where this came from um, because, you know, under discovery rules, as you know, Ian, you're d- you're entitled to discovery of everything in the case against you that the prosecution has. But this will never be included in discovery, wow. um, and it is to intentionally designed that way. Another thing you were talking about yesterday is how the feds distribute distribute child porn and mm-hmm. it is true like there's two categories of undercover operation with the feds there's the traditional undercover where you you produce money and then the target gives you the illegal item but then there's what they call reverse undercover yeah. and i've been a lot of part of a lot of these operations that's where the government sells the cocaine, and then the person brings the money. The government sells the machine gun, and then the person brings the money. In this case, it's exactly true. I've seen them do it. Um, They have in the FBI and in what's called HSI, Homeland Security Investigations, they have whole teams of guys that have child porn on computers, and they try to find some guy to accept it. And if you accept an email that has child porn, then you're implicated in, you know, possessing and distributing, uh, conspiracy to contribute, uh, to distribute or possess child pornography. So yeah, it's just in the category of what they call reverse undercover operations, which is accepted by the Feds and by the U.S. Attorney's Office, where the government does the illegal activity and then charges the people that participate. <laughs>
1: You know, yep. I don't want to get into all the details, but whenever the feds raided Ian's house in this studio that we're in right now in 2016, afterwards he had to go visit a local cop um to look over his computer just, you know, clear it, you know, whatever for the, to make sure that it was okay to use and that guy's job title was child porn expert. Imagine wanting to grow weird. up oh to be gosh. that. Oh my gosh. Or may- maybe that wasn't the exact title, I, yeah, but it was close to that. Ian told me it before.
3: yeah.
1: A- and I just thought... Well, they have whole,
4: whole units that do that. I've been in the buildings where they have whole sections that are kind of closed off from the other investigations because it's you know, so quote-unquote sensitive and hush-hush. And that's what they They have computers that are filled with child porn. And they try to find some mope out there, some lonely guy at a bar who will agree to give you his email, and then you can send him some child porn and charge him for a crime. But it's
1: How's it not just entrapment? Fence. I
3: mean, it absolutely is, and they're just perpetuating the issue.
1: It's making more prisoners. That's going to make America great again, isn't it? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> make America prosperous. Anyway,
4: that that— that's all I have for tonight. Just another thing on my mind is Ross Albrecht is in prison less than an hour from my house, and oh, I keep wow. trying to visit him. And they don't, they don't allow visitors. He's in Tucson, and I'm just south of Tucson. Wow. Um, but is, anyway... Wait,
2: wait, wait. I, I, when uh, you say they don't allow visitors, is that because he's on lockdown? I know he posted to yeah. Twitter recently that they've, they've got him on lockdown for an... Yeah. Indi- well,
4: Well, it's because he has weird court conditions, like Lynn Albrecht is my friend, his mom, mm-hmm. and we're always talking. And that his conditions for visitors is they had to be on a visitor list before he was convicted. They can't add what? anybody oh after his conviction. And she just she doesn't understand why, but it was just weird conditions they have. You can write Do him not. a letter. Yeah. Uh, if you go to Rust I think it's FreeRost.org, you can send him books. Um, you can write him a letter. I think you can add money to his commissary. Um, but I, I'm yeah, i also trying to visit as under the law enforcement, you know, uh, routine, mm-hmm. like, uh, see if I can find an excuse just, just to go visit him and, mm-hmm. you know, go say hi, because two life sentences plus 40 years is just uh, ridiculous. I also wrote a letter to Biden at, at his mom's, at Lynn's request, asking mm-hmm. that his sentence be commuted. That's Who knows great. if that'll have any effect, but... Can't uh, hurt. We'll it
2: can't hurt. So you're saying even yeah. as a sheriff you yourself are having a difficult time going to simply visit a man in federal prison.
4: Yeah, that's exactly right, because he has this pre-approved visitor list that at this point in time, nobody else can be added on to it. That's ridiculous.
1: Major, you're on Free Talk Live.
0: Well, CBD sound like a better solution than, like, Ritalin or duct tape.
1: Definitely. Oh, duct tape. That's what Casey (laughs) Anthony would use on kaylee anthony and what most likely killed her wow <laughs> to, Didn't she know drug that. her with some kind of uh you know thing to make her sleep put duct tape on her mouth put this her was in the mom trunk.
2: that killed her kids
1: well it wasn't proven but that mm. i watched the trial it was ridiculous but mm. anyways um that they just dis- they determined that the duct tape on her mouth was most likely what killed her Jeez. and there was like rumors that she so i don't want to say it's so proof, she suffocated to death uh, she was so decomposed when they found her that it was impossible to tell the exact cause of death. But wow. it was likely that it was that she suffocated to death with um, that on her mouth. And there was like you know rumors or whatever. People had come forward to say that she would put duct tape in, drug the kid, put her in the trunk, so that way she could go spend the night at her boyfriend's house without having to like pay a, a babysitter. Anyways, what did you call in about major pain?
0: Egads, I did not mean to open a coffin, coffin just by bringing up duct tape. Mm-hmm. Yep. Throw it up. Um, well, first off, the overreach with the government, as far as, you know, uh, I I remember many cases. This started back in the eighties. If they caught you just sleeping in your car, if you were in possession of your keys, they could prove in a court of law that you had intent to drive because
2: you were in possession of the keys. Yep. Oh, they're still doing that.
1: Wow. With it off? With the car off. Yeah,
2: you could be in I some. I thought cases, it had to be, be on. No, no, you can if you're in some states, I think it depends on which state you're in. Okay, so you know, check your local statutes. In some states, if your keys are in the ignition, that's good enough. Even if the mm-hmm. car's off. In some states, even if like Major Payne said, you have the keys on your person, that's good enough. I've heard of somebody getting popped for having their keys in the next, like, on the floor of the, the passenger side seat. The keys were over there, and they were just sleeping, sleeping it off. And yeah, I mean,
3: are you not allowed to sleep in your no, car? No,
2: apparently you're not.
3: Because you would think that would be the safe option. You would think,
2: yeah. What, a, trick, a,
0: a trick I learned years ago was, like, stick them up the tailpipe or put them <laughs> on top of the tire in the wheel well.
1: Yeah, know, make hard
2: to find.
1: Yeah, but then they can have those, you know, mirrors they stick on under a car. They don't. But usually... I mean, if you go and if you go to that extent to put it somewhere else where it's so
3: far away from you, mm-hmm. I mean, if they try to convict you on that, that's crazy. Yeah, you
1: might get off. It, it wasn't in my possession. It was in the wheel well.
2: Yeah, well, of and course. it was in the car. Uh, yeah. You know, one issue is that people do too much talking to the police. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you're on the side of the road and you're taking a nap, look, it's it's. They will tell you if you're falling asleep at the wheel, just pull over and take a nap, right? We don't want you to die while you're driving because you're too tired. So, like, we they, want you to die in jail. They themselves will instruct drivers to take a nap yeah. when it's a, you know, when you need sleep. And so, I'm pretty sure that, especially if you were to go to sleep in like the passenger seat or something like that, I, I don't see how they could claim that. Well, um, I don't know because. If you're driving the car, you have an obligation to identify yourself, but that doesn't mean you have to speak to the police officers. So if you're... If you could you, put
1: your ID up to the window or something you and not open the him, window? You
2: could hand them the ID through the window. What if you don't want to window? open the
1: window because then the cop says, I smell marijuana, even though they don't?
2: Yeah, that's a could problem. Could you just it's put just,
1: your ID just up just to
3: so the window? so hard, I don't know. yeah. I don't know. I mean... I, I guess it would depend on the
2: situation. You'd have to ask the a state, lawyer. Probably. Yeah, you'd have to ask a lawyer that question.
0: All you have to do is crack your window very slightly, yep. slide your information through the crack. You don't even have to look at them so they can use the flashlight trick on you and say mm-hmm. they've seen your eyeballs being goofy and whatnot. Right? Yeah, but
1: then they could say you're being weird, right? They could be like, you're yeah. not making eye contact. They it can seems say whatever, whatever you're they want. You know? And yeah. like I said earlier I in the show, it's I completely subjective.
0: I these individuals. I was not being weird, Your Honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just be weird right back to them. Yeah, but if so you just I have
1: got- marijuana in the car, the- a cop pulls you over... You don't look them in the eyes. They say you're being weird. They make you let you let them search the car. If they find the marijuana. Then it doesn't matter. They're- well, they
2: can't make you let them search the car. They can. They force can say that they smell search. marijuana. They can force a search on the car illegally, yep. or you can consent to a search, which yep. is what a lot of people make the mistake of doing
1: because they don't know that they don't have another choice. Because the cop will say, like, "I'm going to need you to let me search the car," mm-hmm. or something like that. That sounds yeah. like a demand.
2: I'm going to have to ask. To search your car is usually All right,
0: there's, oh, there's another said. little trick if there's something in there they shouldn't smell you know how your dashboard has got those vents that you can push this way and that way mm-hmm. well, what you do is you shut everything off but the one that's blowing out the window you kick the one that fogs you know defogs your side window yeah and you Kick that right towards the cop with the blower on full blast. And that's the only (laughs) thing he's going to get is whatever your car is giving him.
1: And also don't smoke with the AC on and let it go through the AC. That's what I always heard. Don't smoke weed. I mean, with,
0: you know. Well, yeah, because it's trapped in the filter.
1: Yep. And then you're blowing the AC at the cop trying to use Major Payne's trick and you're blowing marijuana smell at them. You got
2: to think about this stuff. Well, what is
1: ghost dope major since you said that was the topic of your call call today?
0: All right, yeah, and uh, to take me to another just quickie because this is a cat I met when I was hemmed up by the feds for a short period out west. He was actually parked in his own driveway. Him and his old lady had been drinking, and she got all crazy on him and went off the handle. Mm-hmm. So he went out the driveway and got in his truck, and this is Montana in the middle of the winter, right? Mm-hmm. So, But he's in his own driveway. Well, he starts the truck and just sits there and warms it up, and uh, just about the time he's fixing to shut it off and try to lay down and go to sleep, the cops come up and uh, do what they do.
1: Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, yeah, okay, I have a question.
5: Um, I'm looking to plan a wedding, and I'm wondering if you guys have any advice.
2: Oh, uh, well, I mean... Nikki's in the midst of this as we it, speak. Yeah. yeah, what do you want to know?
5: <laughs> um, Well, we're just trying to figure out... Okay, because we're doing it... Her family's in California, my family's in New Hampshire. Okay. So mm-hmm. we're going to do it... We're going to do it in California. Um, but we, I, we're not sure how many people we should invite, how we should plan this. If, I, I don't know. I'm just all overwhelmed by this. And I, I, I actually uh, called earlier to see if I, could, I should move to New York, and I did. And now we're getting married.
1: Wait, wait. You oh, moved I to know New York. who you are. Uh, you called and asked if you should go meet the libertarian girl that you knew from <laughs> New York. That's awesome. Correct. And, and didn't yes. I tell you you should?
5: No, you, t- you told me I shouldn't. Uh, no,
1: it wasn't. Oh, <laughs> no. wow. No, Bonnie. I thought it was Aria that told you you shouldn't, and I said you should go for it.
5: Oh, yeah. Well, I did, and we're getting married.
1: Either way. Well, wow. well congratulations, first okay, of all. I take full credit.
2: But wait, you moved to <laughs> New York or you're in New Hampshire? I'm confused.
5: I'm in New York. My family's from New Hampshire. I grew up there.
2: Oh, okay. Got it. i was
5: actually it. in Hawaii.
2: Got it. Oh, okay. okay. And so you're going to have the wedding in California where her family lives
5: correct and my daughter's there
1: well congratulations that's a a great you know i hadn't thought about that call in a while but i used to ask for relationship advice calls Mm-hmm. And it's a great, uh, you know, recap, I guess. I'm Another that- Bonnie success story. Yeah, I remember I that mean, call. Yeah,
2: I remember that. Good uh, good to hear that it worked out for you, dude. So uh, Nikki, I mean, what kind of yeah, advice do you I have Yeah, I mean,
3: so you're wondering about how many people you should invite. This sounds pretty obvious, but it's something that I overlooked. The more people you invite, the more expensive it is. I mean, my number one yeah. cost was absolutely food. Like, I'm probably spending around five to $6,000 on food alone because mm. I invited 200 whoa. people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, it just depends, like it's, it's your wedding. So you have to think about who you really want to be there. If you have like a cousin, that's a drunken mess and might destroy the whole thing. Like maybe don't invite them. Right. Um, oh, we're sense. doing
5: a dry wedding.
3: Okay, okay. That's, that's a good idea as Probably well because idea. alcohol, the price down. yeah, alcohol can also be like, if you get a, a a bartender and do an open bar, I mean, that can be,
2: that's going to cause problems with yeah. uh, certain relatives.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, the more I mean, if you want to be more cost effective, definitely do like just immediate family, really close friends, as few people as possible. But if you want to have a party where like everybody's celebrating with you and money isn't as much of an issue, I mean, you can invite as many people as you want. But
2: I guess the venue is going to matter. Right. Do you already have that picked out?
5: Oh, uh, we kind of do, but, like, it's just, like, uh, I want to please her family. So I think we're going to—what w- are we looking for? Like, a Chinese thing?
1: A church or something? A temple or something?
5: No, we're not doing a church. We're, like, it's more about the banquet than the actual ceremony.
1: Yeah, yeah, the reception. Hm.
3: Yeah, I yeah. mean, like—
2: is it, When you say Chinese, is a like a th- Chinese theme, or is it going to happen at an actual Chinese banquet hall or something?
5: Well, her family is Chinese.
2: Okay, so they probably know people.
1: Yeah, yeah, they may know where the best place for you to do your uh, reception. Another bit of advice uh, I could give you that would
3: probably be helpful is um, different venues, like the venue I booked, nothing was included. It was just like you have a mm-hmm. space to do this. So literally every single thing of planning from tables to chairs to like decorations, every single thing, I food, everything, I had to figure out and, you know, bring it all together. And it was actually really, really stressful. And it was, there were so many things like that I overlooked. So if you book a vet, like some venues, it will all be roped into the price. So you don't have to worry about like tables, chairs. Usually they'll have you bring your own decorations, but stuff like that isn't really, you know, as big of a deal. Some venues also provide food, food. Um, you know beverages things like that so if you're not really looking to have to get you know really really involved in planning everything and you know like remembering everything that you're going to need i would recommend finding a venue that does all of that for you sounds like a or, good
1: investment like it'll pay it's for it's
2: investment no i mean <laughs> i mean
1: instead of it's a party being like i'm gonna do yeah. no i mean it will save you money if you pay someone else it, it to could. do it. it. Could yeah. So um,
3: you know, know. and it, it, it's hard to say um, because when you plan it all yourself, you can like cheap out on stuff mm-hmm. and like kind of hmm. really you know find deals and and whatever, and you, you can absolutely do things the cheapest way possible if you plan it yourself. Right. If you but just hire like-
2: somebody, then or if you just hire a venue and say do all this for me, you're just gonna you're but gonna it's also like how leave. much
1: is your time worth?
2: Hey, daily Digestion listeners, this is Riley Blake. Visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you.
1: Well, I want to get into this uh, open letter by the American Kratom Association. Kratom, for those that don't know, is a plant that grows in Thailand, and the leaves are used to make a tea, and it causes effects in the person who drinks it that are somewhat like uh what did you call that stuff nikki Suboxin, or somewhat like um it's an it re- acts on your opioid receptors and it also is it's one of those drugs that's a upper and a downer so it's like hmm. it relaxes you but it also stimulates you so you can use this for so many different things and it doesn't keep me awake personally i don't even think i mentioned it but i was drinking it from the beginning of the show i finished it so if you want to see someone who's on kratom if you want to see if it's dangerous or not. Yeah, you
3: don't seem very impaired to
2: me.
1: I'm not impaired. I'm not... Sedated
3: or anything? No.
1: I'm not uh, ready to go stab people or something I like can always yeah. tell when
2: she's on Kratom because she gets a little more chatty than
1: yeah. normal. Yeah, we'll be like taking a walk and I'll be like, Ian, this one time when I was a five-year-old, I saw this <laughs> flower or whatever. And then he's like, are you on Kratom? <laughs> Anyways, this is from the American Kratom Association. FDA creates an unauthorized, quote, pocket ban authority on kratom by using abusing its import alert authority
2: i think a pocket veto is what they're referring to there was some confusion about why is it called a pocket ban yeah and there's There's a few
1: typos in this
2: well what are you gonna do well um but uh there's uh it's a legislative maneuver that allows a president or other official with veto power to exercise the veto over a bill by doing nothing and they call that keeping it in their pocket. So instead of signing the bill or signing to veto the bill, they use this pocket veto thing to do a thing that they would normally have to do without actually doing the thing. It's very hmm. confusing. Yeah, that, ma- that makes sense
3: in a way that doesn't make sense.
2: But yeah, yeah, It's politics, right? It's a yeah. stupid political system. So I think that's what they're saying here is like, well, the F-C's or FDA hasn't actually banned Kratom. But it sounds like they figured out a way to kind of ban it without actually banning it.
1: But in this case, it's not exactly the same as a pocket veto because they are still affirmatively doing a thing. But yeah. it, it involves their import alert authority instead of putting it as a Schedule one drug, which is what they first started trying to do in mm-hmm. 2016. Um, so it says, Recent action by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FDA, to initiate a seizure action on Kratom products manufactured and marketed... By Botanic Tonics, which I guess is a company mm-hmm. based on serious safety concerns by the FDA, is directly contradicted by a substantial body of current evidence and data on the safety and addiction profile of kratom. It's just such BS because they, as if the uh, the um, the
3: FDA cares about whether things are addictive or safe. Because they are constantly giving people medications that are addictive and that are not safe. And safe, yeah. So for them to claim that like this is why people can't have access to Kratom is just absolutely ridiculous.
2: So here's the story on what they're referring to. I don't know if they get into it in this press release. It's a fairly lengthy press release, but uh, the Botanic Tonics, I looked it up here, and the story came out just about three weeks ago. Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, federal authorities seized more than $3 million worth of products containing kratom, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office in northern Oklahoma. The marshals, U.S. Marshals, along with the FDA's investigators, seized more than 250,000 units of dietary supplements. Those are like, you know, pills, right? And bulk dietary ingredients that are or contain kratom, including 1,000 kilograms of bulk Kratom, so they they that took a huge, so so huge shipment of product. Uh, they were made by Botanic Tonics LLC of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and were marketed under the name, quote, Feel Free Plant-Based Herbal Supplement. Products- Did
1: anyone die? Did anyone take their... Uh, supplements and report that something terrible happened to them or that their it. relative died from taking it. I really doubt it as you well. You know,
3: like I've seen people have withdrawal symptoms from taking Kratom, but like we kind of mentioned in the beginning of the show, these people are taking like a hundred times what like the average user is taking. And I'm sure there's like recommended dosages on the packaging. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I think the people that are having these withdrawal symptoms are taking an exuberant amount and, and that's just
1: an addictive personality. At exactly. That point. Like you can't. you are gonna blame, find something.
3: Well, and that's the thing too. Like we can't really be blaming drugs for like what people are doing with them. You know what I mean? Responsibility. Like, like you can do drugs casually every once in a while and not be a drug addict. Like it is possible. Like to have like true recreational use of substances.
1: And I mean, if just addiction profile is good enough for them. We have Alu Axelman of LibertyBlock.com. Is that right or is it the Liberty LibertyBlock? <laughs> it's, it's
2: LibertyBlock.com.
1: Cool. Okay, I got it right.
2: I've, I finally practiced this enough. I think I've, uh, I, I'm have i pretty uh, knowledgeable about LibertyBlock.com. I've, I've got it nice. down now. Alu. I got it
1: right just now, but yeah. then yeah. I asked and ruined it. Okay, Alu, what's it on your mind? It only took my?
2: me like 100 calls Bonnie, are you
1: doing first care tonight? Yeah, I just wanted to because Aria asked for the day off and I was just like, you know, the last couple times that I did first chair, I didn't really like it. I just want to try it again and see if I like it. I like it more today. I thought this
6: was your first time. I was going to congratulate you, but I guess it's not. For it. It was it. like
1: 2021. It's been a last while. Last
6: time, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, I-, I wanted to comment on a show two nights ago with Mark the Statist and Ian and Bonnie, I believe, with the three hosts. Oh,
2: yeah. It was a tough <laughs> show. <laughs>
6: <laughs> a good it term. was really disappointing that right after I finally write a book titled Taxation is Theft." Mark changes it to taxation is totally fine and consensual <laughs> and in line with the uh, social contract. Yeah, It That's was ridiculous.
1: Um, those so like- I, I want to...
6: You guys, Bonnie and Ian, I think explained pretty well, and I think Peaclis, Mountaineer, explained very well why it is that. But I want to, I guess, use a slightly different analogy to explain why Mark's ideas are totally bogus here. Please. Saying that you essentially... Um, consent to all taxation as you move to a place, and you kind of knew that there are laws. And I hear what he's saying, but it's pretty much 90% a terrible point, and it half 10% merit. But think of it this way. You move into New England, let's say a nice couple, Bonnie, Ian, moves into New England, and there happens to be a ruthless dictator named Alu, who has a lot of guns and, and, and has a lot of power, and he says, everyone in New England who breathes air, so any oxygen they breathe outside, owes me 50 million backs per year. And if they don't pay me, you know, what the taxation, then, they need, then I will send them with guns to kill them. Um, do you implicitly consent to that arrangement if you move
1: to New England?
2: I mean, no. according it's to ridiculous. Mark, you, uh, you do. As long as you're the government, then according to Mark, then that is totally a consensual act.
1: I would say one thing is, what if you don't know about Alu the tyrant? And another thing is, even if you know about it, maybe you just don't believe that uh that's right so you want to move there anyway for whatever reason outweighs the cons and i i can't call that consenting to being stolen from mark is
6: saying that might makes right. that he literally yep. said it you know multiple times throughout the show yep. he who has the power the guns which the government in this case the government gang they are are de facto and therefore to sure right they're they're de facto right and, and they are moral and ethical and everything um, and they're the rightful owners, and Teeth owns it, New Hampshire owns it, so in this hypothetical? Uh, if Alu or King Mark owns all of New England because they declare it so, and they will use violence to assert that claim, therefore it is rightful, and you're a stupid Bonnie and Ian, and you should move if you don't like it. <laughs> I, I think it's so ridiculous. It just sounds so ridiculous.
2: Yes. Yes, it does. It uh, does, and it's messed up. It's it's frustrating because uh, I know, Bonnie, you said you enjoyed that particular show. For me, it's like, it's getting it's, it's so getting easy annoying. to
1: take take down his arguments about it. All he's doing is trying to make a argument that he can use when he becomes tyrant dictator of Utila. Well, this isn't the first time you've had this conversation, That's either. That's why it's
2: frustrating to me, because he just...
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Nikki was here when... Me and Mark had a showdown after show one time and I mm-hmm. destroyed yeah. him then too. But he just continues <laughs> to think that he's right.
2: But that's the thing he doesn't have to justify government taxation to justify his ownership of a private property. And that's and the so thing why he does keeps he go so far I don't with know it? he keeps
1: making that acting like it's the same thing. He keeps trying to make the point, yeah, well, if I own condos and you, and I always say, okay, yeah, you own the condos, obviously people would have to sign a contract to move into those condos is not the same thing and he just like kind of ignores yeah
2: he's like he likens for listeners that weren't tuned in he is likening the idea that there's a strange group of strangers calling themselves the city of fill in the blank or the state of fill in the blank and that they've got a bunch of stupid crap written down on paper and that you know they have all that crap written down on paper and so therefore you're agreeing to it all by simply crossing the imaginary line into their particular "Quote unquote jurisdiction." I just, what do you have to say to that one, Alu?
6: Yeah, well, I think it's just very disingenuous that he compares the BS social contract stuff, saying you you agree to taxation, with he compares it to a restaurant. You go out to eat, and you you know everyone knows there's an agreement, an unwritten contract that you're going to pay for the dinner, and you can't walk out or complain about. The, the person demanding payment after you dinner at a restaurant. Again, that is a one to one transaction that's understood in polite society, in this universe at least, mm. that you're going to pay for that. Whereas the scale is tremendous, where you say the whole state, or in the case of Alu the Pirate, it's the whole New England I decided that I own, and I have more guns than you. I decide that I own it, and I will use violence or kill you if you don't pay me 50 million gold backs per year to breathe the air that I, I decided that I own. So I think it's such a big difference, it's disgenuous to. to compare those to a restaurant eating there and saying someone owns, you know, such a tremendous thing like all of the air, all of the land in the state.
1: Yeah, I would love the way that Peakless Mountaineer put it when he said that you can't just own nature. We have Sarah from New Mexico, our regular everyday caller, Sarah. What's on your uh, mind? Uh, I just want to bring up that... um...
7: Uh, Remember there, when I was talking about that, the panhandlers on the two feet, like really narrow um, medians that they're um, standing on? Well, mm-hmm. well, the city is blaming them for getting killed by cars. They're, they're the cause of our high pedestrian fatality rate. Panhandlers? So, yeah, the because they, they have to stand on a four feet or wider sidewalk.
1: Are they so in the way?
7: Yeah, so they're not going to be in the way. So but I called the mayor and I called the counsel, my counselor and I told him, I said, it's so conical and so silly that you're blaming them because all that you, you know what, you scrape up all the police report of all the pedestrians that got killed. You, you'll find that none of them was a panhandle standing in the median. You know,
1: I, so you're saying that they I don't to... actually get hit and they're just using this excuse? Oh, I see. You're saying that like lots of people get hit by cars in different ways and they're trying to chalk it all up to, oh, it's just those panhandlers standing on the side of the road and that doesn't actually really happen?
7: That's exactly what I'm saying. They're not giving
1: the data. You
7: know what I mean? Okay. okay. If there is a cause of all, all the – what they're saying – okay, if that's true, all of the, every single one of the pedestrians that got killed should have been panhandlers standing in the middle of the street. Like they're claiming or like, a, are they at least a high
3: percentage? Huh? But they're, they're talking about them standing in the media, not like right in the middle of the street. Correct. Right, it's a medium, but it's very narrow. Yeah. It's like almost two and a half feet wide. Well, narrow. I mean, they definitely sh- probably, sh- it's not a very safe place to stand because if there's a car no. accident, I mean, like, that's the first thing that's going to get hit. But
1: but it is interesting that Sarah is saying that it's actually not common for the, these yeah. people to get hit and they're just trying to, it, it does sound like the government's trying to do some kind of shady thing to not have to take credibility for something somewhere else. Maybe, maybe you're onto something, Sarah. Got anything else for us tonight?
7: Well, I just want to say, they they want to take away from, like, four cars running a red light on the left turn lane. I have to wait, like, a whole minute for them to run the red light. And then when I stepped out, there was a a car turning behind me that wanted to hit me. I was sandwiched from all the uh, four cars running a yellow red light. And the uh, left turn lane, and the cars wanted to turn as soon as they were done, and trying to get me out of the way. You know what? There's a the real reason why we have like 17 people pedestrian killed this year so far.
2: So it sounds Isn't like you were lane? trying to run out on a yellow light into the intersection.
7: No, they were no the left. There were four cars running a red light on the left hand turn, so mm. that I have the walk signal. I had to wait four cars to run the red light before I could step out. The I right thought you said it was a window. yellow
2: red light.
1: No, oh, 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 you know, I, I did no. no that. Okay, you did I, use I, the Maybe she meant to say or went to say yellow and then corrected herself and said red. Okay, well, I want to continue on with this um, letter from the American Kratom Association just for a little bit because I think that there's some really interesting parts in here about okay. how dumb it is that the FB, FDA isn't just giving calling it quits. Like, oh, okay, so actually Kratom is fine. Maybe we should stop going after it. Like people are being paid with tax dollars to continue to go after a drug that the experts already say is
3: fine. The biggest thing that we need to remember is it has nothing to do with like whether Kratom is safe or not. And it has everything to do with the fact that this is going to be a direct competitor with all of their other star meds that they love using and getting people addicted to. Like this is just competition for the FDA. And that's why they don't want Kratom. Too, like that's why they're doing all of this. Yep, they're the
1: ones that approve Percocets or whatever, yeah. things like that. So, of course, they don't want to, they, they're trying to get rid of some competition. Well, Assistant Secretary of Health Dr. Brett Greerwar, MD, withdrew the FDA's recommendation for scheduling of kratom with the warning that by removing kratom from the marketplace, they would create a significant, quote, significant risk of immediate adverse public health consequences for potentially millions of users of Kratom or its components that are scheduled if it was scheduled as a schedule one there is typos
2: let alone the uh, the consequences of then having to put people in prison cells right Mm -hmm. so he's talking about the health consequence of all of a sudden making a supply line go away that these people are addicted to in some cases and then having to deal with the withdrawal symptoms Mm -hmm. from that addiction uh, that's the problem, number one. Problem number two would be, obviously, some of them would continue to acquire supply in the black market, and then they put themselves at risk, uh, at risk for an arrest.
1: Says the FDA used the same serious safety concerns they're doing now with this um, thing against botanics. Let me go back. What was mm-hmm. it? Botanic tonics?
2: Yeah, they seized $3 million of their, their kratom.
1: The FDA used these same serious safety concerns cited in the current litigation in three separate failed attempts to have Kratom classified as a Schedule I substance. First one was October 13th, 2016, when the Drug Enforcement Administration rejected the FDA petition for scheduling as lacking sufficient evidence required by the CSA, the um, Controlled Substance Act Mm. Act. August 16th, 2018, Assistant Secretary of Health at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Dr. Brett Greerwar withdrew the FDA's second petition for scheduling it, calling it disappointingly poor evidence and data and an overall failure to consider the public health. Because he's the one that said there will be adverse immediate consequences if you make this illegal. And then the last one was December 1st, 2018. 20- Twenty-one, the UN Commission on Narcotic Drugs, um, which is also the UNCND, accepted the report from the expert committee on drug dependence, comprised of twelve international experts on substance abuse and addiction, who unanimously concluded that there was insufficient evidence to schedule kratom interna- internationally.
2: Hmm. So the UN has declined to do anything about it.
1: Yep. Okay,
2: but the FDA is still pushing forward.
1: Yep, it says, having failed to make the case to ban Kratom on statutory criteria set by Congress, even a lesser standard that is part of the International Drug Scheduling Treaty of which the U.S. is a party, the FDA is now unfairly abusing the Import Alert Authority granted by the Congress by using it as a tool to create a de facto ban on Kratom they cannot justify on the evidence and data required by the CSA. Hmm. It was never the intent of the Congress for the FDA to use the Import Alert Authority as a self-styled pocket ban on any product, including Kratom.
2: Well, this just goes to show that it doesn't matter what the intent of Congress was, that government bureaucrats will interpret the statutes to mean whatever they want it to mean, just like we've seen with the attack on cryptocurrency, of course, where one bureaucracy says it's a security, another one says it's a commodity, another one says it's money. Uh, So, like, it's the same exact thing. They've got this thing Congress authorized them to do, and they're going to go outside of the bounds of what they were originally intending to do whatever they want to do, which is to ban Kratom imports and seize them and potentially, I I presume, destroy it at some point once all the court nonsense is, is done and over with and then keep doing this until some Kratom company is able to spend the money that it takes to hire the lawyers to fight this and potentially take it all the way to whatever court they need to take it up to to get it overturned i I bet the
1: chevron doctrine being overturned could definitely help
2: what's that them
1: with this the chevron doctrine is a 1984 uh well it, it was determined by the courts that chevron won in 1984 and it created a precedent that basically if there's any ambiguity in the law unelected bureaucrats who are part of these uh alphabet agencies like the fda Mm -hmm. if if there's any ambiguity in the law these regulatory agencies like the fda the fbi they get to basically decide if they are um you know they get to make up these regulations themselves we're moving on to a story that nikki brought in tonight yeah, so this one is
3: from Science Daily. It's called Lucid Dying Patients Recall Death Experiences During CPR. Um, detection of rhythmic brain waves suggestive of near death experiences. So, one in five people who survive CPR resuscitation. Um, after cardiac arrest, may describe lucid experiences of death that occurred while they were in were seemingly unconscious and on the brink of death.
1: I've never heard it called lucid death, and that's a very hmm. apt description, actually. Yeah,
3: it is, because you're still, I mean, you would think you're still kind of in that limbo state, because maybe this person is, you know, technically, you know, like medically dead. Yep. But th- there is, like, we already know there's so much, like, the DMT that's being released, like, there's so many functions still going on in the body. I mean, it's not just, like, instantly you're dead, everything turns off. Yep. There's still a lot of, even, um, like, based on, like, MRI scans and stuff, there's a lot going on in the brain specifically, hmm. like, right after death. So... Led by researchers at NYU Grossman School of Medicine and elsewhere, the study involved 567 men and women whose hearts stopped beating while hospitalized and who received CPR between May May 2017 and March 2020 in the United States and the United Kingdom. Despite immediate treatment, fewer than 10% recovered sufficiently to be discharged from the hospital which is pretty common, unfortunately. Survivors reported having unique lucid experiences, including a perception of separation from the body, so Mm. out-of-body experience, observing events without pain or distress, and a meaningful evaluation of life, including of their actions, interactions, and thoughts uh, towards others. The researchers found... This is what
2: they call a life review.
3: Yeah, or like, you know, your life flashing before your yeah. eyes. And it's
2: it's really interesting when people talk about this because I remember there was a guy who... Garrett Ian, who used to be one of the activists here in the Keene area. He's, a, he's up in the Concord area now, but he encountered this guy in the state house... Who was like a test pilot for NASA or the Air Force or something? And they they'd put him in one of these centrifugal force machines Mm -hmm. that just 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 like test the human body or something like that. And it turned his spine into like jelly or something over time. I'm you know that's the best I can recall this this particular story. And I guess he had a brush with uh, with death in this whole process of having his spine worked on. And uh, he had one of these life reviews. And the interesting thing about it, and he's not the only one who said this, is that when you have the life review, you actually experience your actions from the perspective of the other person. Wow, meaning that's interesting. That, meaning that if you were a jerk to somebody and you that person felt bad about the interaction that you experienced or that that person had with you, you would feel how that person felt in that circumstance
1: another so, interesting thing with these life reviews is often there's another entity there that's talking to you about mm, it yeah, yeah yeah so it kind of and i've
3: heard of that before where either you know if you're a religious person you might see like an angel or maybe you'll see mm. your grandfather or you know like someone that would be comforting like a comforting presence
2: yeah i just think that life reviews are really interesting phenomena yeah.